<laughs> yes, really? we do. Okay. Okay. Yes, we nice. do. Nice. Nice. Okay. We um, enjoyed the same pain together. Uh, so we'll uh, um, so we'll go ahead and get it started, man. So hey, everybody, welcome to uh, the very unofficial podcast. I'm your host Gonzo, and I'm joined by. Uh, it's me, y'all. Y'all know who I am. It's Ken. Okay. All right. I need to start keeping track of all those. Uh, and so, yeah. So, hey, nice Saturday. Well, yeah, it's Saturday afternoon here. Uh, just had uh, 6 p.m. or a little late. I was running a little bit late. I just know, and I admit this, that if we have technical audio or visual, audio or visual uh, facts that seem to pop up, that is 100% me. So I do apologize hey, for it, that. And it's every, and it's, it's every time we do uh, an interview. It's every time, no matter what. He's going to have technical difficulties, whatever it is. I think he does it on purpose. I don't. I don't do it on purpose. I don't do it on purpose. I, I, I promise. Um, well, I promise. So, so, uh, so, yeah, we got, um, I don't know, is is one of the original OGs uh, a proper way yeah. to introduce you, Doug? Yeah. I, I, I think it would be. I think it would be. Uh, you know, I'm okay. not uh, real old, old school, but I'm um, old school enough to be out uh, – 12, 13 years now, and I just want to say thanks for doing this, calling me on, and uh, really like the podcast and some of the information you guys are flowing on the, uh, the webpage there. That was the whole reason why we, we brought it up. Yeah, and thank you, and thank you, Doug, for uh, for being on here. Uh, unlike Bracely, who's been a, a career log planner, I cross-trained mm -hmm. back in, I want to say, 09, mm -hmm. and so I don't even think I really knew about the page until maybe like 2016. Honestly, mm -hmm. I think it was about 2016 when I first jumped on there. And at first I, you know, I saw the page and I was like, okay. Um, um, it seems like not always, but uh, quite often people would ask a question and they would get flamed pretty hard, right? For asking mm -hmm. a question or, or somebody would do something to piss off somebody else. And uh, mm -hmm. so it was, uh, so I did enjoy the hijinks on there, mm -hmm. but, but I will tell you uh, as fun as that is seeing those separate from that, uh, it's been really cool to see the younger generation be able to interact with the OGs right on there yeah, and ask yeah, questions. Yeah, um, yeah it and, is. And if it was, and I'll be honest, if it wasn't for your webpage, we would have never been able to get uh, uh, Ron and uh, oh god, I can't remember her name, uh, Gail on uh, last week because uh, mm -hmm. those were two of OG uh, log planners and logistics officers that Bracey and I had the pleasure of doing a, an episode like this with. Um, yeah, so thank you. Uh, you know, and I, and I love it because a lot of the stuff that y'all bring it up is stuff that's been around for years. I mean, the same questions that have been going around for years. Mm -hmm. When I was a young troop, the same things were coming up. Support agreements, uh, wing staff. I mean, it's just, you know, it's hard to believe that some of the same questions and, and problems are still out there. So, so, so Bracely, I, I, I mean, do, I mean, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so um, maybe we shouldn't feel that bad that our current generation hasn't been able to solve the issues either, right? No, they've been going on for tw 20 hey, years at least. I don't feel bad. The reason why I don't feel bad is, is, is the same reason is the same reason why, like I said, when we, when we initially started this podcast, it's like, dude, the same questions, the same issue. It's funny. Somebody posts something and then somebody, they retired back in like 95 92 93 like man uh we still talking about this and i, I just started laughing because it just it goes to show you that um no matter how many tools how many great ideas how many whatever 
it's the mentality that never changes that that, that was that yeah. not, not never changed that hasn't changed um and it, it always brings us back to full circle but the coolest thing about it is uh, like when we we did the uh, conversation with gail gail and company was like we what we learned from them is how they did it and sometimes and, and, and even though it may have been back in the day how they did it was is probably 10 times better than how we're doing it right now so so and i love the fact that we're bridging this right here and i love the whole fact that you know, everybody talks about the stuff and you know some of you you guys really don't know me but you know i've been like i said i've been retired 12 13 years now and uh, uh, I don't take myself seriously at all. And that's one of the things that you probably notice about the web page is I'll throw some stupid stuff up there. And it's just basically to get people talking. You know, I don't take stuff, you know, totally serious. I freak out or, you know, it's Facebook. Okay. That's the, that's the main thing about it is you just have to relax, take it all in, enjoy it with a grain of salt and just have a good time. I mean, you know, if I took everything on Facebook seriously, I probably have a heart attack. You know, but, uh, you know, I appreciate it when, when people bring stuff up to me and say, hey, look at this. Yeah, okay, got to delete one one thing every now and then. But, you know, overall, you know, I, I, I love the new generation. I love what people are doing. Now that the fact that uh, some of the people that have come in from basic training and went to uh, log plans, uh, career field directly in, you know, some of them are certain, you know, tech master, I think, by now. And I love it. I mean, it's great. I mean, uh, you know, all I can do is say more power to you, anything that I can do to, to mentor anybody, uh, anybody that I know that can help out, please say the word. And that's all we're trying to do. It's, uh, uh, it's funny that you say, hey, for, uh, you know, we shouldn't take Facebook or even social media so seriously, but I'll offer, there are some, uh, Doug and Bracely, there are some uh, social media influencers, right, mm -hmm. that are having a hard time right now with COVID. Um, mm -hmm. People don't have money to, to pay for their uh, premium Snapchats mm -hmm. or their mm -hmm. OnlyFans pages, man. So keep them in your hearts as we go through and we think about that. OnlyFans, you mean only man's page? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's funny, like, Doug said the whole, as far as, you know, he posts jokes, I post stuff out there, you know, for, for, for to keep the environment light. Um, up until I think it maybe last year, man, I, I was ridiculed. Like, I, I mean, put it this way. Nobody liked when I posted posts on, on the, on the page, but I was actually kind of following Doug's, um, Doug's uh, mentality of the page. Like, I'm going to post something. I'm going to say something. One, just to spark conversation. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, there were conversations in the background. That, hey, man, your, your posts are a little bit, uh, not professional. Well, what's the definition of professional? If I'm not being disrespectful, if I'm not doing anything that's demeaning to the Air Force, but if there's a topic, a trending topic that's that's amongst the group that could that could spark a conversation where we can have the Dugs and and the Gales and everybody come in and throw some uh, throw some insight out, and it's lighthearted, uh, you know, why you know. Just if I took so again, if I took like you said, if I took social media seriously, then I'll probably be would have had a had a stroke or heart attack myself. It's it's frustrating, man. I, I tell you, it's frustrating when I walk when I go to that page and and we see how people get in their feelings. And I, what I did, I, I've taken the angle to to the effect of if somebody does get serious, I'm more than likely probably going to antagonize and just let them know like, hey, look, man, people. Like people, this is the new way of, of communication. 
This is one of the new ways of communication, which is part of the reason why the Air Force allowed this, allowed Facebook to be accessible for us on the on the uh, on the military domain. Um, so you so you got a younger generation. This is their like this is their way of communicating. So you got a you, you got a platform that Doug and those guys created to where we instead of being pigeonholed at one location, we can throw a question out there and say, hey, that's a great question. Do me a favor, hit me up tomorrow on the global, and I can get you some I get you some more intel, uh, more detailed information on that. And you get four or five people to say that. Now you got a plethora of resources and potentially a, 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 a couple of mentors that you didn't know didn't, didn't know existed until you posted a question and asked. So I, I, you know, when I see people getting bullied, I, I call it bullied, bullied, or if I see people getting yeah. attacked for court for for posts that they make. With the exception of the of the of the irresponsible posts, like classified information and stuff like that, but if I see people getting um, getting bullied for posts that they make, um, like the one that Prince Capone made when he was on his extended leave from being deployed, and he just posted a lighthearted joke with his hair colored, and everybody started freaking out because his hair was his hair was colored like yo, this dude is on leave. If he had to go to work tomorrow, he got recalled. I'm pretty sure. He either wash the color out or have to shave his hair bald to meet, you know, to, to meet, you know, um, got regular uh, uniform regulations. But everybody was just like coming like this. I mean, let's let's have fun. Like what you did last night, even though I didn't drop join on. What you did last night, you uh, posted the link and you y'all had whatever y'all did on Zoom last night. I'm pretty sure it was fun, but keep it lighthearted, keep it balanced. Yeah. You know, exactly. Have people. A, yeah, have, go ahead. Have a good time. You know, have a good time. Share information. So, Doug, let me ask you, um, for those that are, for those of us, myself included, who, who don't know your history, um, can you kind of just walk it, walk it through that? Uh, you could talk about uh, – go as far back as you'd like, and feel free to talk about anything. Get us uh, – uh, we want to get to know you. Okay. Uh, I, I came in in 88, and, um, you know, right after – pretty much after high school. And uh, I went to basic training, went to supply school first, and uh, was stationed at uh, REF Fairford. Uh, which is which is at that point was an active duty base and then it closed down. I went from there to uh, Norton Air Force Base in California, which also closed. Uh, while I was there, I was a UDM for uh, Air Combat Camera Service. So that's where I started out really being a log planner, probably about the 1991 or so. Uh, from Norton Air Force Base, we moved on down to uh, March Air Force Base. And uh, if you're not sure what uh, Combat Camera does, it, Back in the day, it was uh, Air Force News, Air Force uh, Television, and stuff like that. So what I really liked about it and what made me go from UDM to uh, log plans is, you know, it was the mission. It was, you know, when the phone rang, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It was always real world. It was always, you know, let's go out. We're about to, you know, do something. Uh, uh, we had people on the first plane about to, you know, invade Haiti. I mean, it was great. I loved it. Every day was we were doing a mission. Really, really enjoyed that. Uh, went from there, went back, uh, went to Dias Air Force Base, and uh, uh, actually cross trained at, at Dias. And uh, that's, that's, that's where I became a law planner that I was today. That was uh, 1995 or so. Or so. And uh, the biggest impact from, from Dias that I can put to anybody, and anybody that wants to be a law planner or still on the career field, is that's where I learned the regs. And the AFIs, and I had a supervisor at the time, and if you weren't doing anything, 
you needed to be inside the antibodies. And that's where you become basically uh, irreplaceable. If you know the regs inside and out, there's really nothing that, that, that anybody can do. So, you know, 10-4 or 3, I knew that like, basically like the back, the back of my hand. And, uh, that, that's where I learned. I remember one day we, she, we had to go over to MPF uh, to do something, talk to somebody. She got all in my case because I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't bringing any reading material with me. That was the thing. Is if you weren't doing anything, you were in the reg or you, you were in the PFE or you were doing something, you were learning something about your job. Uh, it was all about the mission. It was, you know, the mission. Not, not, um, really, really enjoyed it. Loved it. Great, great person. Donna Brown. She's still there and dies. Um, incredible, incredible. Uh, a lot of planner and uh, made me the person I am today. So went up there from uh, from Dice. Went to Elmendorf. Went into uh, straight into the Ops Group uh, 90th Fighter Squadron. And that was awesome because I was log planner at, at a F-15 E Squadron. I'm not going to get really too far into details on uh, the mobility commitment of that unit at the time, but it was pretty much, you know, anytime anybody in PACF got got nervous, they'd go ahead and they'd call us and we'd be pretty much the first thing. And uh, a couple of times, uh, my phone rang at, at home saying, hey, you need to get to a stew phone. And, uh, you know, I lived on base. So I'd go into the squad room. And usually the, the first question before we even started doing any classified stuff was, uh, hey, what do you want is chalk one? My answer was C5. So uh, that happened a couple of times. We did uh, no notice real world deployments and, and, and do a couple of places. Love the four years I was in the other time, and what I loved about that job, ops group or ops group could pretty much come into the office and they shot a times. Okay, did he fall off, Bracely? With me. Yeah, we both did somehow. Okay, you're back on. We can hear you now. I'm back. Okay, so uh, basically what I loved at that time was, uh, you know, I'm more of a visual person, so I used to have this whiteboard up there, and I'd do all these little graphs, and Wing Commander would come in, and Chaka would you think, okay, we need to do this, this, and this. It was great because, they, you know, Wing Commander would always listen to me, and basically any time the, uh, the LG would say something and totally pull something out of they're behind. So well, Shaka says right here in the reg, and it says right here, this is you. So, yeah, maybe the uh, LG group, but that was okay. You know, we got the mission accomplished and uh, uh, went from there, went from there down to uh, Edwards as the IDO. That was uh, kind of neat being the IDO as a, as a tech sergeant. That's where Bracey was, uh, was there also. And what was crazy about Edwards is that it's a test base. Uh, a lot of stuff is classified in there. Um, walked into a mobility machine that was totally broken. Nobody wanted to touch it. There's also people that were there basically didn't want to do with it. It was AFMC. I'm not sure how AFMC is now, but you know, back uh, when I was over there, it was, you know, you can only exercise between eight and four. And you need to lose that 
out. It's pretty neat because you got I got to work with everyone that is your F fifteen uh, F fifteen program F twenty two CV twenty two. I liked it because uh, you know I like aviation aviation history. So Edwards Edwards was, was pretty pretty okay as far as assignments. Pretty far out in the middle of the desert, 20 miles from the front gate into the base. So uh, the stories are true. However, I did learn a lot there. I had some great supervisors. Uh, walked away, striped a couple a couple decorations. Um, went up to Thule after after that. Uh, my my boss uh, at the time was uh, the uh, uh, MSG. MSG, yeah, MSG commander, and he went over to uh, be the commander of AFPC, and they'll say, hey, uh, we never pull anybody favorites or do anything for anybody, but I can tell you uh, the five people that worked for him all got assignments at the exact same time that uh, I don't know how that happened, but uh, anyway. Does he keep cutting out on yours too, Bracely? Okay. We'll see when he comes back up here. Really good time. Hey, Doug. I want to make sure that I'm st still on there with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your your video is definitely yeah. cutting out. It wasn't at first, but now it's doing it. Oh, it's. Is it better now? I think yeah. so. It's it's like okay. Try uh, try yeah. now. Try now. I mean, okay. you know, you're saying there we go. Uh, about the assignments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, those five of us got assignments uh, from uh, Edwards all at the exact same time, uh, which was pretty amazing. Uh, went up to Thule, did a year up at Thule, and uh, from there, um, had, the, had a follow-on to McCord. Wanted to get in McCord because I was trying to get back up to uh, Alaska. Uh, opening came up for a log planner at air staff and I put in for it, not really thinking too much about it. Got a phone call from some people that uh, the chief at the time was uh, asking about me. So I kind of, you know, knew that that was going to happen. So, uh, about two years there as the uh, air staff log planner, you know, working for the uh, Field manager from there uh, retired 2007 went on over to a DHS started working uh, DHS exercises basically been doing that, that ever since uh, right now we've got exercise anti-terrorism uh, different type of scenarios, disaster, you know, COVID, we were doing that years ago, riots, you name it. And one of the pretty cool things about it is I get to work with a lot of different people. Got to write a couple of exercises for the Super Bowl, right? Exercises for Major League Baseball. So uh, meeting people is probably the best part about the job. I kind of walked into it and uh, I looked back. And that, that was one of the things that I wanted to come on here is tell people. Hey, you know, there's a lot of openings, DHS being, uh, so we had somebody not too long ago that was uh, looking at getting a job at FEMA, and he said, well, you know, it's only temporary, it's only two or three years. 
that's the way they do the hiring. They bring you on for a couple of years and they make you permanent. So don't let that distract you from anything. One of the other programs that I like to talk to people about is FEMA has a reservist program that I like to tell people about that are looking hey, to retire. Don't have anything set up. Just yeah. Hey, just real quick. So your video is like cutting out really bad. Um, is, can you can you move closer to your? Uh, um, I don't know if you're on Wi-Fi or if you're on your cell phone. Right now. I'm on Wi-Fi. How's that? How's that? How's that? Yeah. 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 You're good now. Yeah. Okay. I went yeah. inside the house. I was outside before. Okay. Let me set this up here. Get my donuts going. Okay. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I definitely, in, in this conversation, I want to hit on FEMA and DHS so bad because um, I think I posted something about uh, going through mm-hmm. the, the FEMA, the, the FEMA uh, it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. Incident Commanders course. And mm-hmm. when I posted it, Doug, like, bam. I, and ever since then, I've been, I've been honed in. We've been talking. On every, yeah. yeah. I've been honed hey, in and zoned in on everything that you've been doing because it, it's like, I, you sparked a, a, a huge interest in my post-military life. And, you know, and basically I think it's a perfect fit, you know, for what we do. We do command and control. That's what we do. And FEMA is about command and control. And please don't think that, hey, if you don't, you need to get a job in FEMA logistics. There's so many things out there. There's planning, there's operations. Yeah. But the, the FEMA reservist program, I like to steer people towards that, that, that are looking at retiring, don't have a job. Way back when, before September 11th, the Air Force Reserves had a program where you could basically just sign up for mandates and you could go out from deployment to deployment and things like that. I don't know if any of you all remember that or, or know about that, but that's basically how the FEMA Reservist program works. Is you can go from disaster to disaster to disaster, being activated 30, 60 days at a time. And, you know, they're making full per diem, they're getting their GS pay, they're making, they're making some booking blocks. I'm glad you brought up about the, uh, the ICS courses. There's so many things that we offer that are out there that are great EPR material and also information, you know, for leadership schools and, and things like that. There's a ton of stuff out there. And our, our website is training.fema.gov.dhs.gov. And just go to Emergency Management Institute. There's independent study courses. There's some great professional development stuff in Everybody's always looking for some EPR bullets, and that's some that's some good stuff. Yeah, this it, is. Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. So, so, so to, to to kind of bring it back to the Edwards, um, Edwards days. So that's where that's one of the things that. So Edwards is a unique unique base. Mm-hmm. They, okay, yeah. they have a they have a BSP, y'all. But check this out. Edwards is, and this ain't classified, so I can say this. Um, Edwards is a low is is one of those uh, one of those identified locations where if a nat- if a major natural disaster hits on the western uh, portion of the United States, then there's going to be a large contingency of emergency response forces, whether it's the Army Corps engineers, FEMA, anybody, they, they stage out of there. And, mm-hmm. um, and I was sitting having the conversation with the MSG uh, commander, say, hey, well, we got this BSP. And it's like, well, the BSP is really not for what we're doing. And it, I forgot the name of the group. Every I think every base has it, but it's a group that's formed uh, with the MSG, uh, the maintenance group commander, wing commander. Ops is really not a part of it because it's not a really a fine mission. 
and then it's the civilian partners for emergency response. Uh, that's that. That's also part of this. This like it's like a emergency operations center, but it's not an emergency operations center. It's a group that basically deals with the response of a natural disaster. And when I got exposed to that, I was like, wow, like that was a whole nother part of law plan that we as law planners, unless you get to that base and you and you have and you participate in that exercise or participate in it, and, and like they got us what's called the great shakeout where every year they do uh, in the earthquake, uh, earthquake disaster response exercise for the entire state of California. Um, what happens is, is like, if you, don't, if you don't get that opportunity, you won't even be able to have this conversation, understand why, why Doug is saying, look at FEMA, look at this, because there's so many other opportunities in that arena. Like, I, I was exposed. Like, when I, when I met some of the FEMA instructors that came down, they literally said, hey, man, your job is golden in the FEMA arena. It, it, it is golden. Like, yeah. we are yeah. few far between. Exactly. We bring a different skill is that, you know, not only can you speak Air Force, you can speak FEMA. And it's two totally yeah. different languages, totally separate languages. And I can't even tell you how many times that, I, you know, there, there, there's what's called the defense coordinating officer that will be in the center. And FEMA people, some FEMA people just don't know how to talk UTCs and, and things yeah. like that. And uh, went out to California wildfires a, a couple of years ago, and I'm sitting in the California State Emergency Operations Center, and they brought up something about uh, uh, needing buses. And we're there in Sacramento, and you know, Beale's pretty close, so I called the LRS from Beale, and hey, you know, is this possible? Blah blah. blah. And, about 10 minutes later, the defense coordinating officer came over and said, hey, how did you know how to do this? Said, well, you know, former log planner. Said, oh, my God. You know, you know, I said, you know, they, you know like, like Ken said, you know, you're full, few and far between. And, you know, I wish more people would look at it. You know, I, I, unfortunately, the, the main people that, that look at FEMA are the emergency management people, that you know, air-based operability or, you know, whatever they're calling themselves right. these days. Is, they think it's an automatic shoo-in, but, you know, there, there's so many different facets of, of where you can work in different locations and bed down and, and, and forward supply. You know, it's just, you know, you can talk all day about it. But uh, one of the cool things about it is being able to read plans and write plans. That's one of the things that you need to be able to do. Right. So, so okay, so let me ask you this, Doug. Um, what skills, what part of our core competencies as log planners now and then when you were in, um, would you say translated for you best in the current positions that you've been doing? How did it prepare you? Okay, let me keep that one. Uh, um, I'm going to say leadership right off the bat of being able to command, you know, control GCC, being able to read a plan, write a plan, write the annexes, being able to work with senior leadership because you you can be the operations center and there could be the governor and then there could be the state senator. There can be some high level people. So if you're able to brief those people, keep your head on your shoulders, work in a pressure situation, I, I think it's a good job. No. Every single one, state, city, county has emergency operations centers. So there are plenty of jobs out there. There are plenty of things to do. It's not just at the FEMA level, but at the state level, county level. There's plenty of things out there. I mean, that's that kind of give you a short answer there, but there's, there's so many different things. 
and, 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 and to, and to, you know, to, to, to add on to that, the state and state and local level. So, um, whenever we did an exercise at Edwards, um, we, it was, it was, we always had that objective to, uh, partner with the EO, with the, uh, with the local towns EOC or, um, the, the local government's EOC. Mm-hmm. So when active shooter was like the thing, um, we did it, we did an exercise, we did an active shooter exercise with, uh, with the FBI, uh, the local police department, uh, because we wanted to test the handoff, the, the handoff phases with the different agencies uh, on a military installation as well as uh, a public school off base. Um, again, like when I say hands down, I'm telling y'all, I tell everybody when they bring up Edwards and they throw that, they throw their face. Yes, it's an ugly situation, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, the exposure you get, like the, the exposure you get is hands down. It's like, it, it's irreplaceable. So we, we did a, we did an shooter exercise and um, we wanted to show, we wanted to, to test the, 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 basically the, the initial response and the handover to the State Department. And, but what had to happen was the, the uh, Kern County EOC had to stand up. So we had to be able to show that we can effectively do, uh, because like the, the school on base, it, it kind of belonged to the, uh, the DOD, but it really belonged to the state. It was like a public school for the state. Um, but the school on base, you know, we had to stand up the EOC on base and off base, and we had to show that inoperability to be able to communicate back and forth. Um, and stateside, I wish that when we when we exercise, we only we don't only focus on phase one, phase two. I wish because because with the Air Force's unique system is is in garrison support. I wish with that when we did natural disaster events like if you're in Arkansas or Oklahoma, you do tornado tornado response. Mm-hmm. On the West Coast, you know, uh, Seattle, California, Arizona, because you guys on that uh, NGS fault line do earthquake responses. And then in the southern, southeastern part of the state, coastal states, you do hurricane response events. Uh, that way you can, te- you can test that, that, that interagency uh, relationship where the law planners, from the law planner standpoint, you're, you're preparing and bed, bed downing non-traditional forces to operate off of your installation. Uh, first, the first time I saw it was at Edwards, not Edwards, but uh, the first time I ever saw it, but I didn't have anything really to do with it, was at Barksdale right after Hurricane Katrina when FEMA was there for a year. And we staged them, we staged them on, they are their, their headquarters, their, their operating center was out of Barksdale. Everything they did in response to Hurricane Katrina was out of Barksdale. And let me just explain that some of the people that are going to be the, the unusual people that you're going to need to bed down. So you're going to have people like American Red Cross. You're going to have urban search and rescue. You're going to have fire departments. You're going to have church groups. There's a lot of players out there that, that come to the table. And that's one of the things that I always try and do is when I work with the community and they have a close military base is, hey, have you even looked on base to see what, see what they have or see what the capabilities are? That's huge. And Bracey, you've brought this up so much during the podcast, man, that when you're talking to, to planners is communication, it's key. It's key when it comes to us 
just within our own career field, being able to communicate. I mean, and, and a lot of, I don't say a lot of times, but in some cases, you know, some log claims installations, for whatever reason, struggle to even communicate within the other folks in the D flight, much less mm -hmm. out on base, right? I, I can't imagine um, the kind of communication, the kind of networking, the kind of mm -hmm. trust that goes into uh, being at a, a base like Edwards, where you're having to rely with your relation, you rely on the relationships you built with the local community, both city, um, state, and bigger to get that jug. That's got to be huge. So yeah, yeah I mean that's it is. The funny thing about that though, and I will tell you this, which is hilarious, that line of communication is ten times easier, in my opinion, because from what I've seen, it's ten times easier than dealing with traditional military units. And the reason being is there's a thing called out there called an instant command system. And that's what everybody is using in, in the police and the fire department, uh, outside responders, is they all fall in and under, you know, a certain umbrella of who's working for who. Which is, I'd like to say like an installation deployment plan, but, uh, you know, installation deployment plans, you could get a wing commander or a squadron commander that does want to use it with uh, the incident command system. If you don't use it, you don't get paid, so... Everybody is the bottom line of, uh, you know, you don't get paid if uh, you don't use it. Yeah, de definitely one of the things I've seen um, uh, when they had the they had the wildfires in California, uh, our fire department uh, actually fell into the um, the response uh, the the response structure, and the, um, the the lead fire chief was the overall incident commander for whatever region that they were in. And um, again, I, I can't like go to the, you know, do the ICS, uh, ICS 1, 200, go to the 3 and 400 course. Because uh, when you see the organizational structure, you look at it like, man, like I live this. I live this life every day. Every day. Every day you do it. And you don't even think about it. Right. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's literally like if, if that was, if they established, like, say, for instance, there was a major event. And they established a, a you know an incident a incident command center, and they brought in all all the entities. Right, um, every log planner could sit in each branch because in each branch there is a log plans capability in each branch. And you're already you're already doing it. You're writing a DSOE. That's your operations. Yep. You're already yep. doing command and control. You know, it, it's it's second nature to us. It really is. And, and having to explain it to uh, some people it's kind of a little a little te tedious but uh, for us we speak the language every single day and that's one of the things that, that helps me or help me you know become a fit in there is you know I knew how to how to speak it and you know live it and uh, let's say it's not really too difficult so, so I, I do have a I do have a question for you though uh, one of the things that uh, I've, I've always wanted to ask uh, ask people but because they, they didn't they didn't speak my language uh, from a FEMA standpoint or even a DHS, a DHS standpoint, do you guys have something like a UTC or capability structure? No, what we do is, uh, as far as that, we'll say to the, uh, 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 to the military people that are inside the, we'll say the state, because that's where the request is going to go up. We'll say like a local police department wants, wants a National Guard MP battalion or something, something to that effect. What the city is going to do is they're going to go up, they're going to call the state and say, we need some MPs, pretty much something like that. And then what's going to be required is, is 
there's logistics and operations that are going to have to go to the defense coordinating officials and the uh, military counterpart and say we need this capability and that's one of the good things about us is we can read out a UTC and say okay this is the capability that they want and that's one of the things that always helped me is working in, in an emergency operations center is that I know I don't read those UTCs and say this is exactly what they want they want a 44 person red horse team or they want a C-130 and an ALSI or something like that. And that's one of the things that I always put in, in, in uh, my exercises is, is some type of uh, TALSI, ALSI, uh, CRG component. So when the local community says, what's that? They always have to ask, what's this? And say, okay, well, who's going to deal with the military? Who's going to deal with the Air Force people when they come in and they're going to do either uh, airdrops or they're going to, you know, start offloading stuff? Who do you have at the airport or who do you have at the port or wherever that's going to talk to these people? And they'll look at you like, uh, we didn't think of that. So, does that answer your question? Yeah. So I, I still want to talk about the uh, about what you're doing, Doug, but, but mm -hmm. I want to and I know Bracey's gonna, he loves to talk about this. So you guys yeah. just talked about the whole UTC talk, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm nerd. I'm a nerd when it comes to that, but you're exactly right. I mean, those are our weapons, right? Yeah, those yeah, UTCs. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to explain that, to be able to like, just for somebody to say, I need the ability to do this. We what know if, what this is. It, it's so, so it's so, it, I can't stress it enough how important those damn UTCs are. And, and I wanna, I'm, gl I'm glad that you brought that up because my final job in the Air Force at, at Air Staff was uh, I was responsible for all the UTC management and, and, and validating all the UTCs as they came up and they would go inside jokes and decapes or, you know, and, uh, you know, we'd get to the point where I'd, you know, I, I would, I would, I would open up Logmod and see something came up from a certain base and, and know, okay, well, this is from, SpaceX, I know this is going to be jacked up. So, you know what I mean? It, 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 and, and, I feel your pain. You, you know, and was, I would get to the point where it's like, okay, this is coming over. I know it's this is going to be messed up because, you know, the, the big thing always is in pallets and that's, you know, that's, you know, day number three of, of uh, tech school stuff. And uh, I, I got to the point where one day I just called up I, I called up whatever base it was and they had some, their lieutenant get on the phone. I just yelled at their lieutenant and said, okay, put whatever master sergeant or tech sergeant's on in charge over there. And let me talk with them. And it, it, it was, it was pretty much clockwork, but uh, you know, if, if you know how to, you know, build an UTC and that's, 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 that's a bread and butter. If you can't do that, you know, you, you got to know how to do that. Right. Same thing when you, when you deploy, if, if you don't know what your, what your own cargo is, and what the cargo is that you have to redeploy of who you're deployed with. That's, that's ABCs. That's, that's basic stuff. So, okay. And, so and, go ahead, Bracey. Go ahead. And that's one, one, that's one of the things that, um, that when I, when I was, when I started giving like those customized one-on-one -on -one trainings with work centers who reached out mm -hmm. and asked for their training. Um, one of the things that I did was I said, Hey, um, you guys have X amount of UTCs that you got to review, right? I said, how many, you know, I said, you guys doing phase ones and phase twos right now? So, yeah, I said, so um, how about you use the phase one to run your UTCs through, uh, through, through, a, through a CDF and then, take, and then take that information after they go through the final wing and everything and it gets manifested and the, the loading packing list looks like it's supposed to look. 
why not why not sit down post exercise? You know, because you, you got to go through your post exercise events, right? Why not schedule some time with those UD with those particular units and sit down and update those UTCs the way it's supposed to look, and with the weights and everything dimensions. And guess what? You have you you reviewed your UTC. And not only that, you have the paperwork ready to go for the first time it's out of the chute. You got everything exactly. ready to go. Exactly. You know, and uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because I went to a, a base that was in, in middle of Florida and uh, I said, him, do you know what's going out in chalk number one? I said, no. How, how can you not know what's going on in your main UTC in chalk number one? How can you not know that? How can you not know what personnel are going to be the first thing out of the gate? And someone brought this up a couple of weeks ago on, on the uh, on the uh, the Facebook thing of, you know, how is XP getting involved and how is XP determining you know, what's going first? You know, you should know what the first thing on your base is to deploy. You should know by your own plans, you should know what the first thing out of the gate is going to be every yeah. single time. And that's why, you know, whenever the phone rang for me, no matter where it was, you know, it was always give me a C5. I know I got 73 seats. I know I can put a whole bunch of cargo in there. And, you know, I'm going to you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get everything else. You know, maybe, maybe even better. Maybe, uh, maybe, and, and maybe this is already being done. Our UTCs should be being built so that we don't have to guess what goes out first. It's in that exact order. Is that yeah, exactly. Exactly, Maybe, maybe not. The aviation I mean, ones they, it should be. Aviation they, should. I mean, if, if they're echeloning them, if they're echeloning them right, if they're echeloning them right and putting and putting them and sequencing them within the echelons then you should know, like, boom, boom, boom. You should already know. Exactly. Exactly. What I used to do is when we were first thing out of the gate, I'd have a spreadsheet. Okay, item one, two, three. You know, it, it was as simple as that. Simple as that. So, Doug, let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, very often um, on the podcast or just in conversations mm -hmm. uh, with, yeah. with uh, current generation log planners, it tends to come up that this generation of log planners. So I say this generation from yeah. myself and yeah. Bracely and down. Yeah. We don't, that maybe we're not looking at mentorship and training the same way you guys but, did back then. Is that true? Or, or that, tell me about that. Let me, let me, I'm glad that you brought that up. And, uh, because, you know, when I was active duty as a log plan, the first thing you always did when you were TDY somewhere or you went someplace new, even on leave or TDY, you went into log plans off and say, hey, I'm Sergeant such and such. You know, just because it's such a small career field and you, you start seeing people's names. I'm Sergeant such and such. Just want to say hello, blah, 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 blah. And uh, that, that's something I always did is I always went in and introduced myself. But as far as mentoring people, you got to, I mean, um, that second lieutenant was brand new, put them in the books, put them in, make them make decisions. You have that new airman, put them at the DCC control seat, let them make a mistake or two, let them understand what the complications are going to be. I got to the point where, you know, I could look three or four chalks down and figure out that we were going to have a poem or something. It's just, you have to be able to, uh, Understand your UTCs, understand your units, even the capabilities of the, U, the UDM. If you know you don't have a strong UDM, okay, wait a minute, do we need to get somebody over there to that unit to help them out? Do we need to bring that UDM into the office and have them sit down with us during the exercise and us help them 
do the paperwork. And there's so many different ways that they can do that you can do it, but mentorship is always the main thing about it. And then people make that decision. One of the things that I was beneficial with is that I worked with, with a tech sergeant that would never want to make a decision. So that's where it learned up to me to, you know, to, to run that DCC is I would make the decision. And then you're the, well, Sergeant Khan, I'm a tech sergeant. Oh yeah, you're right. You're a tech sergeant when you're not making a decision. So they're going to run right over you and that's what they're doing. So I'm making a decision. And he would say yeah. something like, well, well, in six months from now, we'll have to worry about resupply. It's like, okay, in six months from now, we'll worry about that. But I need to get aircraft out. I need to get chalk one, two, and three out. I'll worry about uh, X, Y, and Z later on down the road. I'm worried about right. A, B, C, and D right now. I'm, I'm looking about putting aircraft out. I have aircraft inbound for cargo. I need to worry about it now, not six months from now. Okay, so another question. You talked about when uh, you were at, I believe you were saying you were at uh, Elmendorf, right? Yeah. You were, in, you were a log planner embedded within a fighter unit, a squad, or however they had to get you. Yeah. How... How much has that helped you? Because you're you're very mission centric. You're very hey, we need to get these aircraft off. I'm sure after your first year there on the ground, you knew every damn you know uh, you know Tom and Harry and Jane and that squadron what they did and all their cargo. Uh, um, do you think okay. that was beneficial? Yeah, of course, of course it was. And uh, for me, I don't have a maintenance background, so I had to go out and learn what all the cargo was that was going to be on the airplane. Mm -hmm. So when the maintenance chief would come in and say, okay, well, I need an MB3 or I need X, Y, and Z, I would know in the back of my mind, okay, this is how big it is. This is what kind of airlift yeah. I'm going to need for it. So I'm not saying – one of the things specifically was, was Gaius is they have a, a couple pieces of equipment, air conditioners, and I can – like 25 years ago, I can remember this, air conditioners that won't fit on certain size aircraft. And that was the same thing at Elmendorf is that I know in chalk, one, two, and three, I need this. Or the maintenance chief uh, needs to have this type of specialist go out with this person or, you know, the cats and jets and uh, – you know, I, 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 you know, then you can even catch the maintenance guys trying to lie because you go down the red flag so often. You do this so often that, they, you know, they try anything to get on the Advon team. Like, no, you don't need a supply person to go turn in a piece of paper and a base supply. You know, you don't, don't, don't need that. But uh, I, help, help me immensely. Immensely. I, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say because also what it learned, where I learned from it is how the operators think. And yeah. being able to tell a commander what a commander wants to hear in a briefing, being able to give that briefing to him right the, to the details, right. no fluff, A, B, and C, step to your jet, go do your thing, don't worry about military, I got that taken care of. Yeah. You know, here it was, you know, a sergeant, tech sergeant, you know, deploying 500, 600 people in a shot, having PACAF call me directly, and to be quite honest with you, the L group, LG group didn't like that because they're calling me directly because, you know, I know exactly what I need. And I was so I was confident enough that I knew I had leadership that would back me up. And, you know, like I said, I knew what those regs said. I knew what my equipment was. I knew what my personnel were. So I really never, ever had a problem. That's, look, as a former maintenance guy, Oh, I, love that. I, I love that. Oh, oh come on. Oh, <laughs> somebody, somebody used to somebody used to work with their hands for a living and get dirty. <laughs> uh, no, well, we don't work with our hands. Hey, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I nerd out on that stuff that you're talking about. Right. And uh, and and, and I, I like when you said that the maintenance guys will try to lie to you. Right. And say that that mm -hmm. they have party on this um, at one of my log plans. So my first log plans base was actually Dias as well. We had our. B okay. So, you know. 
So yeah, sea thirties, yeah. Yeah. And so um at one of the, the log plant spaces I, I was at, we were doing our pilot unit review and I was looking and 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 on the main <laughs> on the UTC, these guys had like ten increments that were called uh toolbox. MWR MWR pallets. Or, 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 or toolkits, right? And I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, damn, I was like, it was a different airframe because I was on fighters. It was a different airframe. So I was like, well, shit, maybe these guys do need that many toolboxes. And it wasn't until somebody, uh, when we were doing the pilot review, oh, I'm sorry, we were actually executing uh, for a mission and uh, and they were like, oh, we don't need a, a packing list because that's a, a toolbox. And I'm like, and so I went out there one day with the two T2s and I looked at that. I was like, Golf course. No, I was like, fuck no. I was like, hey, bro. I was like, I'm a former maintainer. I don't know the last time I saw a fucking wheel in a toolbox, all right? Or when you saw a jack. They were getting away with calling things toolboxes so they didn't have to go update anything in log mod of the pilot. Yeah. I was like, damn, man. And, and that's and that's, and that's that's a foul. And one of my, my always bet, biggest pet peeves was the end of MWR pal was such a load of bullshit. <laughs> It would just drive me bananas, that whole MWR bullshit pal thing. Say, okay, you know, you're over in Turkey or, you know, wherever you're on a good good TDY. Uh, I'm down with you. I understand. But, you know, I was at a place and a unit needed an entire C-17 for MWR pallets and, you know, uh, two, three stars. said, okay, that's enough with that. And, uh, yeah, I brought up the story about uh, Red Flag, but it was like every time you go down with some of these units and they just think they can bullshit. And, you, know, you go in there and you open up the, the, the you know, the Connex boxes or the Cadillac bins. It's like, no, this is, you know, increment number 99. I don't even care if it comes back. I could care. Yeah, it, that, that, that's, that's how hey, you speak of Red Flags. I remember going out there with uh, – with with the C one thirties, you know, they're self sustained, self support. So for them it was it was always easier for them to kind of get away with that. Um they would bring out a they would bring out one ISU ninety and it would literally be the ISU ninety set up for them to go fishing, halibut fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh and <laughs> to bring back the halibut to, uh, to to catch the halibut, have it sliced and diced or whatever, uh dry freeze it and put it back put it back in ISU ninety. So when you open it up, complete fishing gear, okay? Yeah. Uh, golf, complete fishing gear, golf clubs. Then when we go to when we go to Guam, it was the same thing. It was they had they had that one ISU ninety set up for everybody. Uh, you know, the mainers had mainers had theirs, ops had theirs, and it was just it was set up so that so that literally when they got off their plane, but you see a you see an operator come out their plane going to pallet, going to back of that uh, the ISU ninety. They walking on the flight line with a with a golf bag on their yeah shoulder. oh yeah 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 you know PlayStations, bicycles I've I've seen everything furniture <laughs> you know I, nothing you know car parts you know nothing nothing yeah. really nothing nothing shocks me but one story that I do need to need to tell you know uh, back in the day before September 11th and uh, before the you know I, I call it before the war started and. Uh, you know, airlift was just a matter of who you picked up the phone and, and you called. So, you know, of course, it's TACC and, you know, and, and all that in the barrel and, and, and all those official ways. But, you know, back in the day, you could, you know, once you find out who the squadron scheduler was for that airlift unit, you know, you can basically, you know, work out whatever side deals you want. So I was up in Elmendorf and, you know, I'd have C5s flowing up and, you know, 141s and the LG group was always like, how do you get this stuff up here? 
hey, man, I'm in a flying squadron. These guys all know each other from the academy. This is how it works. They all know each other. It's all a good old boy, you know, we knocker system. You get somebody on the phone. All I got to tell them, hey, this is what my mission is. So what my cargo is, you know, they can fly up Friday, pick me up Saturday, be back home station on, on, on Sunday. It was pretty much as, as, as easy as that. And uh, like, it, like I said, once you knew who all the schedulers were, um, that was basically, you know, not every man for himself, but, you, you know, if you knew who to make the right connections with and you knew the right bargaining tools, and uh, you, you can basically get your own airlift. But once again, you know, once the September 11th came along, that uh, that all went out, went out the window. So I got a question for you, Bryceley. Um Do you think that, in, especially some of these very dynamic uh, fighter bases that we know are going to be the first ones to get hit if anything happens in anywhere in the world, yeah. should we have log planners embedded within those fighter units? No. Nope. Okay, yes and no. The reason why I say yes is because it, it, it makes that unit more more it makes it, that unit more agile. But the flip side to that is no is because they at that point they become the overall mobility person, whether it's managing whether it's being a UDM, uh, you know, being a UDM or being the actual mobility person. Uh, from a leap. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, there's a two-headed sword, you know, two-headed yeah. coin to that is because I can be the squadron's POC, is, is, I like to say the squadron bitch, or I can be the wing person. Now, if I'm deploying out as log planner, and I've done this before, is I took, uh, you know, a, a tasking was flowing into the base for a QG, and I'm deploying out with the squadron. Okay, I'll take that QG. I know all the equipment from my squadron, but then you have to be able to, you know, shift that head. Okay, yeah. well, I, I don't work for the squadron now. I work for the, the wing or whatever I'm deployed yeah. for. But, you know, your point is, you know, should you have a log corner in the squadron? I say I had a good experience with it. However, that all depends on your manning, yeah. what you got going on, that that that, that, that squadron mobility commitment. You right. know, I saw, I saw some log planners that were in fighter squadrons that were just counting the days down. That really had nothing to do with it. And uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me also tell you, if you're not – if uh, you never work with aircraft maintenance unit, as far as their mobility shop is, what happens, I don't want to say 100% of the time, but a good percentage of the time is they're going to use whatever good person at turn wrench out the turn wrench. They're going to put the yep. start wrench turner in as a UDM where they say they're going, to, they're going to lose that person to the flight line. So they're going to have somebody on the profile. They're going to have someone with a broken leg. So you pretty much have UDM of the week. And I, and I was I was I was lucky that uh, it worked out for me. Now, like I said, there's there's, there's two sides to every coin. Yeah, and I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have to uh, and I'm gonna have to say that you know my first instinct is put that person in a log plan shop. Yep. And then just have them when the tasking comes out, just have them familiar with it. But that you know, my experience is different than what's going on in the real world. Once again, you know, I I think I think that. So, because because I I ain't gonna lie, uh, at one point in time I was like, man, put put one of us in the in the, in one in those each one of those flying squadrons at the base I was at, right? And the reason why is because um, after going on multiple trips uh, with with the ops with the ops guys and maintenance guys, it was like, man, like you know what would be easy easier, and that's only because these units were like 
going like this, right? What would be easier is if they had somebody that they could just pick say, hey, you you know what we're doing. You know what our, uh, our agility uh, mission is. We shouldn't have to worry about this. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's, that's right. We should be embedded in that unit because uh, – when 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 I went to I went to Balakatan and um, again the C130s were self-sustaining, self-support. But when it came to having that conversation on logistics or uh, mobility operations, I was I was that that point guy, and they and it, I made it to where we were in where we were where we were so valuable that every time we went out, they said no, we got to have a login because this is a conversation that we don't want to ha- we don't want to have. What yeah, exactly. Acquiring whole lodging, whether it's acquiring uh, vehicles, whether it's uh, acquiring you know forklifts and stuff mm-hmm. to get to, to to own offload stuff, like they needed a person to be able to go to whoever the uh, the, the the lead planners for that event say, hey, look, this is all I need for my team. I need to go pick up all this stuff. I need to have it all staged. I need to be able to start working in. As soon as I get all that stuff staged, I'm working on my get out of town plan, get the low plans and everything approved. Here you go, planner, uh, lead planners. Is this is this, is this uh is this abstract plan good to go? Cool. Boom. Sir, uh, ops, uh, ops officer, here's the approved get-out-of-town plan. If we have any deviations that you want to make, con- let me know. I will con- conversate that. But they were able to focus on whatever objectives they laid out for their uh, specific exercise. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I probably would have been more comfortable if I would have been working at, you know, LGX or log plans office dedicated for that flying squadron. That probably would help, yeah. help, help, help me out a little bit more. But yeah, it got to that point where I was with the squadron, the squadron commanders. Like, okay, Sean, can you take care of it? And go yeah. to a planning conference and do what you ever need to do. So I was making my own, my own load plans. Here's, here's what I want to take, you know, and I bring, you know, and I bring a, you know, a flight suit guy along with me just for some rank, but you know, that's that's huge, Bracely. That that you talk about that, man. I mean, um, I think it was probably a, it was probably about two or three years ago. The Air Force was uh, the, one of the hot things was, hey, let's make some cross-functional airmen. So people, our commander at the time in the LRS was like, hey, I want airmen. Just because you don't work as a two T two or work in the PDF doesn't mean you can't help do JIs or yeah. uh, that you can't drive forklifts or you can't drive this, then the other. And so they wanted each airman to go through and get forklift training. And I was like, okay, that's cool, right? But when you're assigned, when you're at a wing, if you're fortunate enough to be at a wing that has an, a, a heavy ABI mission, whether it's fighters, mobility, ISR, or, or whatnot, man, how cool would it be when you go to these exercises that, yeah, you have a log planner to do the C2, to do the planning and see the ex- execution through, but shit, how about LRS Commander? You send... Send a, an E4, E5 log planner to do the, the, the lead planning for that. Pair them up with another E5 freaking 2T2. Oh, and by the way, we're happy, we're going to be uh, – it's going to be multimodal, so we're going to have about six truckloads worth of a cargo that's going to be going from Texas all the way to Alaska for this thing too. Hey, bring a 2T2 on the ground, man. And Don't you have that little – yeah, yeah. You, you bring that freaking TMO troop, that air trans, and the freaking bring, log planner. Bring just bring a D flight. Basically, you want to bring a there a, you go. A, 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 a bring a, a mobilized D flight. A mo- you're right, exactly. A mobilized D flight, and you're right, Bracey. That is so fucking huge, man. Because those maintainers and those air and the the freaking pilots, they don't want to deal with that bullshit. Because who gets stuck with it? Some lieutenant or a captain who's on who's who's acting as the DO, right? 
or yeah. the freaking maintenance pro super and whatever extra master sergeant he or she brought out that says, hey, go worry about this shit. Man, it's, it's funny, they get paid. It's funny you brought that up. It's, it's funny you brought that up because uh, this this conversation last year uh, about, you know, they had they, they had the conversation about redoing the UTCs again. And I was like, and I, I made a statement and kind of got looked at side eye, but I was like, you know, how about we make LRS type, LRS type, as much as I hate LRS, I'm, I hate it. But I was like, how about we make LRS UTCs? And I was like, what do you mean? So like, for instance, let's make, let's develop a deployment and distribution capability where instead, so we can get rid of this onesie twosie BS that we have going on. And we literally identify a deployment and distribution capability where we can deploy this capability with those with those AFSCs out, and you got a minimum of three bodies uh, to go out. So you're meeting that that minimum, that the chief of staff minimum, but at the same time you're putting a capability on the ground. And all three or four of those individuals, the ground trans team, motor log plans, the two T two, the air trans, the air trans guy, that we all can sit there and basically plan, coordinate, and execute movement. Oh, you're right. And, and guess what? You could send those three jokers anywhere in the damn world, any yep. kind of operation, any kind of, of UTC, and they will take care of your movement altogether, your logistical and your transportation movement. And, yeah, that's insane. I mean, uh, fortunately, I've been at bases. Dias was one of them where we went on exercise. We were able to take the log planners with us. At my, uh, when I was at Offit, we were able to uh, thankfully get involved in the planning meetings early, and they took a log planner. And I was one of the first ones to go out there. And, yeah, was I doing – was I going and picking up their, their radios? Yes. Was I – anytime they needed more vehicles, was I getting more vehicles? Yes. Did that's they, your job, though. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so, but, but you are the MSG. Great. And so you're right. So when we were out there, we didn't look at it as I'm not the calm guy. I'm not this. Hey man, for, they could care less what the hell your AFSC is. All they know is that they got somebody out there who gets to deal with that shit while they focus on everything else. And that's huge to the men. That's huge to the main and snobs community. Cause, Cause they don't, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it when it doesn't happen. What they just want to hear it is that it's done. They could care yep. less how it happens. And that was the one thing that, you, you know, about being a log planner is saying, you know, you get these 18 guys that want to go on a, on an ad bond team is no, we don't need that. I know as a log planner, I need to do X, Y, and Z to make this happen. And even if it's not my job, I still need to do it to make it happen. Like you said, rental cars. Okay. Yeah. I got to go down to the airport and get 15 rental cars. Okay. Yeah. I know that. Let me make sure my government travel card is, is maxed out, but. <laughs> yeah, because that, because you have to put all that stuff on your credit card and yeah. you have to yeah. reservations. Yeah, you know? I was I was thinking that when you said I was like I already been there before. <laughs> yeah, you know it's you, you, you know you, you guys you guys you guys really aren't you know uh, you know tell me anything new. I mean this is stuff you know twenty years ago and even like the headquarters package back you know way back when I hate to say it back in the day. You know, there'd be a headquarters package and it would always be like, a, a, you know, log plans, you know, Semelo or something like that and redeployment assistance team, you know, whatever happened to that, I don't know, but, you know, Money. I, I, yeah, uh, you know, Money. I, 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 I could tell you I've gone out there plenty of times and 
you know, you're log blind, you're supposed to be the, 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 the know-all of everything in the LG group. You're supposed to know everything. And if you don't know how to do it, you know how, who to get to do it. Right. That's, that, that's yep. key, man. It's that, it's that networking and like you it, said, it, building, uh, building relationships. We, you we, know, and it, we've got to have that. And I always come back to this thing and, you know, you know, uh, core values, mission first. Okay. I always had a problem with, with mission first, as far as, as far as I'm concerned, that's doing what needs to be done. That it isn't, Hey, I got to, I can't deploy because I got school or I can't deploy because, you know, X, Y, and Z, or, you know, I can't work a shift because, you know, whatever happened to our core values, you know, whatever happened to, and that's one of, one of my, you know, pet peeves is log planners is, you know, you have these people that are non-deployable, take up spaces as, you know, in an ETC or, you know, EF or whatever they're calling it now. And, you know, I can't even tell you how many times I've been screwed into deploying with no notice to the, to the big desert of, because someone had the tasking for six months and they were telling their commander that, you know, they're going to find a way out of it the day before. I can tell you, you know, went to Afghanistan on three days notice because the person that had the tasking was, you know, telling their commander they're going to get out of it and got to medical three days before they're in Afghanistan. You know, that, that he, always, he, he got my blood boiling right now. You know, that, <laughs> was, always, that was always my pet, my pet peeve is, you know, you got these people that, you know, go on the medical or they can't deploy, but the minute that, that Hickmore ramp sign assignment comes up and boom, all of a sudden all the paperwork's good to go and they can split yeah. and they can PCS and boom, or, or, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, you got those senior NCOs that here comes Tampa, all of a sudden they're healthy, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. You got jokes, right? Hey, you know, hey, hey, you know, you got jokes. Hey, ask me, ask me how many, I, I can't say it, but I would just say that a couple of people dodged this because they thought they was gonna have to go, uh, go for it. Let's put it that way. You know, and, and my as a super supervisor, that was always you're downgraded one ranking mark because of pulling some bullshit like that. And I would go to the commander every time, and say, you know, this is their duty. They knew where they were supposed to deploy. This isn't something that they just knew about. They've known about this for six months a year. This is their AAF rotation cycle, and right before they pull some medical bullshit. Now, granted, take that with a grain of salt, okay? But you, I think we all know, we're all adults here, you know, the difference between something going wrong, hey, I had some, something wrong with me, and hey, I'm gonna get out of, you know, verbally telling people you're gonna get out of deployment. And uh, uh, we, we, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I, and I, I'm not gonna say that that, that was like, a a factor for me when I was sitting at the as a as a fam, um, because and let me let me jump on there before you get going, okay? Because okay. when I when I was at Air Staff, I got to see everybody's art report, and that's at the time it was the art report. And wow. you, you, okay, hold on, hold on. You got so to I'm, say it. Okay, you got to say it. <laughs> I'm looking at, and I know at the time I knew. I want to say 75% of who was in log plans. Okay. I didn't know everybody, but I knew enough of everybody and I knew who was at what base. And, and I'm looking at these art reports like, you got to be kidding me. This guy, what? And I'm looking at some of these excuses and I would, I would say that career field managers, like, Hey, you need to pick up the phone. You need to, you need to, you know, you need to question this. And it was, it was always political. Just let it go. Don't, you know, don't get in the uproar that the commands take. 
So to be quite honest with you, that was one of the reasons why I split. Well, I mean, I can't even respond because you took some of the words out of my mouth. Like, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was like, that was part of the issue. Like, um, one of the things that, that, that I had issues with is our, our art didn't reflect what was, what was the reality. Um, additionally, what was happening was, um, uh, I mean, just sometimes people's personal aspirations, you know, overrode, was they, they were able to, they were able to override the, the mission. Additionally, what was happening was, what started happening was medical, not the individual, but the med group started becoming the problem. Like people would, people would have like duty limitations, and we would send with they, they would uh, they would submit the waivers, and then it would take that at that particular AORs uh, SG almost three weeks up until first movement to say, nah, we don't want this person, and and that would be so frustrating because it's like I got three or four people in a queue. And by the time I get, by the time we find out, find out about this one particular person that was that we we're waiting on the waiver to get approved, those three or four people in the queue have gotten have gotten sourced for uh, for other shortfalls. So so it was it was art not being not reflecting what what was what was accurate because we we pull uh, mill PDS rosters that have the actual duty limitation codes where art wouldn't say it or art would say one thing. Bill PDS would say another thing, and then yeah, we would have the occasional uh, this person's green, and then all of a sudden, um, uh, 30, 45 days from first movement, they're red. It, it, man, I'm telling you, I, I know for a fact Brandon Gaskier has is, is having a tough time right now. I know for a fact he is. And you know, and and I can I can only footstop of you know things that happen happen to me, but. Um, that was that was always my pet peeve. Is I sit up at air staff and I look at it in, in, in art and I look at some of his you know records and like, but well, wait a minute, they got an assignment to how is this possible? Or, you know, I was with the, I was with a guy that every time he got an assignment to create, he, he he would come up with something. But the minute that stateside assignment came up and it was someplace good, he was you know was able to roll. You know, but uh, so once again, ask- just just my experience. So let me ask you this, Bracely. What do you, th- and I'll answer this too, so I just want to put you on the spot. What do you think about Doug's comment that, hey, if we're leaders and we have somebody that we rate on that we know is pulling some bullshit, like going and going to medical when they get tasks, to mark them down? How do you feel about that as a, as a raider? As, as much as I would love to, uh, with, with this current culture of the Air Force and the amount of protection that they have from the health agencies, it's, it's, it's almost damn near, it's damn near impossible to, to do that. Even if you, even if you counsel them, you can almost get, you can almost come uh, EO or IG complaint and literally come, come follow, can't follow that because technically when it comes to medical, we as supervisors, we really don't know. That's right. Legally, that's right. Legally, they can't tell you. Yep. Legally, it can't tell you. Yeah, it, it, and so for me, I uh, I feel the same way as you, Bracely. Um, 
is it worth the fight, right? Um, now, it's, it's e easier said than done. If I saw somebody that was consistently doing it, right, that had a history, a documented history of, hey, as person A, every base that they've went to, when those stateside TDYs come up, they're good. But when their rotation comes up, they're bad. I mean, I, I would like to think that I would step up and, 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 and stare that in the face, but I don't know, man. Is it worth hey, your man. career? Is it worth your career? I, I, know, I, I know. I know. It's a different climate. Least, than, you know, it's yeah. a different climate today. Yeah. I know at least two people. I know Louis, at least two people in our career field that have never deployed as a law planner. And they're probably, and, and they're probably a senior CEO. I wanted to get on that soapbox, but uh, I really don't want to go there. But, you know, even <laughs> even back in the day, back in the day, you had to have at least, you know, once again, this is, you know, my experience years ago, way back when, you know, when I was in, you had to have at least one remote tour. And just to see a senior NCO, a log player that, that never had a remote tour was rare. And if they didn't have one, there was usually a story behind it. Now nowadays everybody running to the remote tours. You you can't you you there's not there it, there's not a, not enough remote tours available. Like the they're they're lined up, man. They 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 clicking everybody's clicking their career button, their turkey button, their Thule button. Uh, I think I think we got a position in Honduras. I don't know, but everybody's clicking the remote buttons now. Everybody. Nobody wants. To, Nobody wants to move stateside, though. Got to, man. Got to. If, That's if why I we got you. Up. That's why we got you, Bracely. Yeah, to do the right thing. Do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's. it's I, I think that for. I think you know for the most part, though. Like, one of the things that's kind of for a deployment law plans deployment standpoint, I think that the rule sets that we currently have now, it affects about. It, it negatively affects about, uh, I would say about 20% of our force. And the reason why I say it negatively affects about 20% of our force because that 20% is is the only 20 is the only group of loggies that are available for uh, for for tasking. So every year you're going to see the same until they PCS. You're going to see the same loggie every year getting ready to go out every year. It was like, it's like clockwork. So it's like if I didn't PC, if I wouldn't have PCS from Edwards, I would have been back at IUD nine months later. So, so to add on a little to what Bracey's talking about, so Doug, I'm actually filling the slot you talked about working for the CFM now in the air staff, right? When it comes to readiness reporting, that's mm -hmm. done in the three now. When it comes to mm -hmm. UTC management, that's done in the three now, right? But yeah. um, so what? and I think we talked about it on the podcast before. So when we talk about how the current AEF cycle and our different posturing, right? Um, for our institutional force, for those joint taskings, right? Which I believe we have 12 of, it might be 13. And I think we actually killed one of them recently. Uh, the folks that are getting tasked to fill those are all of your folks on your MAGCOM staffs, your AEF center staffs, or your, your mm -hmm. Air Force IMSC staffs, your PMOs and your headquarters. Mm -hmm. so those folks are gone, right? Now the rest of them are are, are the you know the uh, the assigned are, are p banded folks right. 
there's other things that come into play when we talk about who's available to deploy. Mm -hmm. And Bracey can go in a little deeper on this, having yeah. failed the IMSC Fambro, is that, hey, there are certain commands, such as AETC, AFMC, mm -hmm. and primarily ACC, that's who's going to be filling them. So if you yeah. have certain folks yeah. that, that, you know, let's just say you went from a AMC base to another AMC base where, you know, you came out of tech school, you go AMC, 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 and then your buddy goes ACC, AETC, ACC again, and you're wondering why you don't ever get tasked to deploy. It's certain forces are assigned to certain commands and possibly in a different way, man. So, so I, I say that to, yeah, we have, you know, 780-ish active duty folks, you know, spread all the way. So once you take that seven, let's just say 750, and then you take away the folks that are, for whatever reason, um, dab coded so they can't deploy, let's that say that gets to 500, right? And then you take that 500 and you peanut butter, uh, peanut butter spread them uh, through Ocona spaces and Kona spaces, right? That 300 goes about to, to you know, 500 goes to 300. And now mm -hmm. it's it's not easy, man. That, know, fan, that, that, that AEF scheduler, so when people like we have 785 people that can deploy, no, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah, like and that less that, like less than a hundred. Yeah, and so it's tough. And I get it. We may all not agree with the, the current um you know AFPC uh sourcing rules and whatnot. They're there for a reason. I get it, but if you are that person in the career field who it's like, hey, it's coming deployment time and whatever your reason is. I'm not judging that. I'm simply saying if you were trying to justify in your head that, hey, I'm going to go on, I'm going to figure out a way to get out of deployment because there's 700 plus people to do it. It there doesn't isn't. work like that, man. No, it doesn't work like isn't. that. And, and, if you're, uh, and if you're a Doug Khan type filling the air staff role, you might have somebody that's going to write down your name and say, I'm going to follow it. I'm going to see you. Yep. Yep. And exactly. Exactly. You know, and, uh, you also need, need to think about, you know, the specialized uh, shred outs that they need at some of those locations too. You know, they're not going to get the three level airmen to fill, you know, a seven level joke spot at, at UConn or something like that. Or, or if, you, you know what I mean? So just for, uh, um, well, we talked about, you know, Bracely, you and I back to back filled the, uh, the CENTCOM joke spot, right? That's yeah. a Texarden gig. And so some of you might be thinking, hey, why are we sending senior selects to go fill that? Again, it's a JIA requirement. So hey, they're going to pull from the staff. We want senior selects when, when, when we got the task, you know. That's correct. That is true. That is and true. They, and, and so and they, they um, are looking, they looking at it like these are senior selects going to fill tech sergeant buildings. No, it's, this is, it's, it's a tech sergeant building and tech sergeants aren't available. So you have to go to the next, next available asset. Correct. Correct. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, but I'm, right. I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I'm cool either way. Yeah, it's a, uh, um, it's interesting. So, uh, so you know, we say all that, but let's not take away, let's not ignore the fact that log planters total force. If shit goes down anywhere, whether it's in the United States or overseas somewhere, really goes down, right? Where people, well, hundreds, maybe thousands of people are losing their lives daily. It don't fucking matter what your P what P band you're in, your ass is gonna go. And so at, at, at again, you know, as planters, we plan for the worst, hope for the best, right? So just know that. Don't think but I'm in P five. So if if uh, uh, Korea decides to you know north the south, I'm okay. You're not. No, they're gonna yeah, you're going. They're gonna, they're gonna reset them sourcing rules and say 
because, because we got to think about sustainment and, and long-term operations. Hey, you can go pull. You can go pull from these. This DAP code no longer applies. Uh, you can go pull. From, you can go pull from these uh, reco- uh, assets, and 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 then create a, a sustainment plan for after that. So. Oh yeah. So so if you're if you're that uh, if you're that log planner that that gets a gets a sniffles every time you're tasked to deploy, you're probably gonna have to cut both legs off. All right. <laughs> and he, and he, and even then, we can still forward deploy your ass somewhere to do jokes. Cause you got two hands, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and, I, I, and the cool thing for me is, you know, not it's not the bragging thing. I, I think every time I've been sourced to deploy, I, I, I've deployed regardless, uh, whether it's a, a good a good location or bad location, even even station. You know, if I was stationed somewhere, um, I didn't I didn't want to go. I didn't try to figure out a way to get out of it. Uh, I will say, um, the the longer I stay in, the more more uh, personal uh, I get when it comes to um, assignments and stuff like that, whether it's deployment or not, because um, you know sometimes sometimes you, you, we're kind of looking at look at the a different perspective when you start moving around. So I'll be the first to tell you, uh, yeah, I, I think service for self, but I also think common sense on certain certain things when it comes to come to the mission. Um, so yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Different perspective, different different life happens happen circumstance. But at the end of the day, like Donzo said, what our job what our job entails, what what what's expected of us. Understand this: uh, when we when we stood peace up uh, back up, it was it was some people that, that that got hit with some 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 janky timelines, and 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 hats off to them for for um for for being for being available and and and, and meeting that. Uh, meeting that that short that short suspense, man. We we appreciate y'all because it was one of situations where it came out of nowhere, and and we had to respond. And that's a perfect example for anybody who had to go through that or suffer through that. Uh, every, a lot of people did, not just us. A lot of people suffered through it. Yeah, that, that man. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that must have been a huge shock to the people that were like, "Whoa, what do you mean? Life as we know it for the last decade isn't the same anymore." What do you mean? We're having. What do you mean? The SecDef has come down and said, "Hey, we need forces to react to this threat here." Like, what do you mean? I don't get. What do you mean? I don't get six months notification. That, but that, that was that was what, a shock. But that's why I'm starting. I'm starting. I'm starting not to like the current ADF. I'm starting not to like it. And the reason why I'm starting not to like it is for every reason why we're trying to change the mindset is because it's a complacent mindset. It is a um, the principles of AEF, equitability, transparency, and uh, I forgot predictability. Um, what were what, what, what are the are the premises of AEF? And I'm starting not to like that because it's starting to put us in in a bind when it comes to being ready to go. You know, I kind of wanted to get on the soapbox soapbox there for for a second. You know, let's uh, make some suits. You know. Uh, Old school Doug is going to say, hey, you know, you're NCO, you should be ready to go at any time. But, you know, let's just, that's Doug thinking from, you know, 20 years ago, you know, always ingrained of, you know, you should be ready to go at a moment's notice. But, uh, you know, like I said, that's just my experience from way back when. Well, that hasn't changed, Doug. I mean, that's still the uh, the Air Force's mentality. It's just, uh, you yeah, know, I don't I, know. Yeah, I mean, so okay, so let me. So let me you can't ask you. speculate it. You can't speculate it. I mean, because like when I was in Japan, my back, my uh, 
I had two bags packed all the time with uniforms in it. All the time. Like two bags in a closet downstairs by the door. You know, because, yeah, yeah. I want to get on the soapbox, but I don't. You know, I've been in units where, you know, you signed in, okay, you're signed to this UTC. Here's your requirement. You need to be ready to go within 72 hours. Done deal. You know, there's no way around it. Doesn't matter what, what bucket you're in. And so, I, you yeah. know, it's a slippery slope. Slippery slope, I understand. Yeah. Yep. There's, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's why I said. That's why I said you can't really speculate the the whys because I mean everything is the the dynamics. Everything is different, you know. Um, but at the same time, we still gotta have that mindset of ready to fight tonight. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so. You know, and, um, no. Go ahead, Doug. But. No, you know, I, you know, I'm sorry to you know to uh, you know a lot of this is is my own personal opinion, you know from years ago and you know i don't know what the current ops tempo is now you know i never come on base you know only time i really talk to a lot of planners is you know few far between so i don't really stay too much in in you know what's going on i don't you know i don't come on base i don't you know i don't look for for log plan jobs anything like that so please just understand that this is you know my thinking my thinking is you know 15 20 years ago of certain things being ingrained into my head of you know this is the way it needs to be. Now, that was, you know, late 80s, early 90s, the Russians are coming through or the North Koreans are coming through and you know, be ready to go, be ready to fight. Um, so I'm just going to caveat that, of, you know, I might have some old school thinking, but that's just the, what, the way it was when I was in. And, and so, and so what I'll say to that, Doug, is that, yes, it is a different time, right? But, uh, as we've seen very recently in the United States, right? Or so before I get to that, um, unfortunately, what if it takes something like being back when, when you were a log planner or something like mm-hmm. a Gulf ty- a Gulf war type yeah. thing for us to flip the switch like that. And, yeah. um, and hopefully that doesn't happen, but, yeah. um, but, uh, but to go, like what I was saying, uh, what we've seen in the United States over the, over the last few, few weeks, man, maybe it takes something happening for the log planners, for the culture, for the Americans to say, oh, the fairy tale we've been living in, it's not that anymore, yeah. right? And so, and so again, hopefully, I, I, nobody wants war. Nobody wants yeah. uh, uh, people killed. But I, I, I guess I, I just don't know in my small mind, I don't know how we, how we change the culture, how we get people to think how you guys thought back then again. Because even though... You know, it depends on who you talk to. Are, are we at war right now with any other nations? Yes. yes. You, 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 yeah. It's it's so, and so we still have to we have to be able to acknowledge that and to think worst case scenario while living in this day to day thing where I can deploy out to IUD and have access to the BX over there and have some Pizza Hut and have all this, you know, daily. But you got to understand, like I told you before, the thing about it is part of the reason why I feel like we have the mindset that we have is because of the AEF, the, 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 because of how, how the AEF has trained us to be um, robots, you know, and I'm not saying the AEF, we, all, we, we, we could Monday morning quarterback this all day long. But just currently, the AF has trained us to be robots. 
So when you say, are we at war? Yeah, we at war, but guess what? We have a system in place to sustain those operations. Um, one, thing that, one thing that I always try to get in everybody's head, you know, I teach at FTAC or, you know, new troops or whatever. Is anytime you leave the gate, or even now, there are people out there that want to kill you. And some people just yeah. don't. People, you know, unfortunately, we have these active shooter situations. And, <clears throat> You know, it's, it's just a threat. There are people out there that want to kill you. You just have to be in that yeah. mindset of, you know, we're at war right now, no matter which yeah. way you look at it. And, and honestly, that's why I started getting, uh, that's why I started getting dressed at work and then taking my uniform off at work and leaving my uniform at the job. Uh, recently, I started doing that, you know, because, you know, it was one of those things where uh, I read something somewhere and it basically caused a shift in how I, how I um, move to and from, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, no, I'm, not, I'm not seeing the same st same intel briefings that, that you guys are saying. I'm seeing different stuff that are, you know, PD-centric and fire department-centric. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff out there is, is, is scary, you know? You don't know who's going to take a shot at you. And unfortunately, with some of the things that are going on today, you have to keep that in the back of your mind. Not everybody is your friend. And I know for me personally, um, I make it a point to wear my uniform when I'm going to and from work only because I know that the uh, females that see me know that that's TRICARE and it's free for them, right? So I want them to know that that's, that that's out there like that. But you're in D.C. though, right? Uh, I am in D.C. So I don't okay. wear it here in D.C., but in Tampa, Florida, I, I, I might have. And so, okay. Well, I'm gonna say when I was when I was living oh, yeah. in DC, when I was in DC, it was always good for you know a shake on the hand or a pat on the back when you're riding the train home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, good stuff. So, hey guys, we've been going for about an hour and 15 minutes now. Um, anything else you want to uh, talk about, Doug? Yeah, I just want to say thank you for uh, calling me on. You know, a couple of times I thought about coming on and. and uh, you know, I didn't want to make it, you know, back when I was in, when I was on the brown shoes and stuff like that. But, you know, I appreciate what all you guys are doing. I appreciate you guys putting the uniform on, the, the, the generation of log planners that are in there doing the right thing. Senior NCOs, you need to take care of their airmen. You got to take care of their airmen. And when I say that to you, I also mean to brand, our brand new lieutenants. Put them under your wing. Take them. Show them the right way. You know, anybody that wants to learn about FEMA or DHS, you know, just, you know, hit me, you know, I'll, as everybody knows, you know, when I was acting duty, you know, I'll answer any email, you know, anything that I can do for anybody, please, you know, I'm up here in beautiful downtown Gettysburg, PA, if you're in the area, stop in, I'll buy you a beer, you know, shoot to get, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that I was in the uniform for, for 20 years and a couple days. Um, I, I don't wear my Air Force hat like uh, like I probably should, but I do wear it when I go to the VA. And one thing that I do need to make sure, and maybe we can do this at another time, is preparing people for retirement, preparing people for uh, making sure their resume looks good. That might be a whole different different subject, but uh, yeah, we're working for, there. Yeah, thanks. You know, and I'd love to part of that. And, uh, um, you know, I got a ton of stories, you know, I'm not, you know, you guys don't really know me, but I'm never one to brag about myself or anything that, that I've done, but, you know, I'm sure there's some people out there that, that recognize the name and uh, I was proud to serve. I was proud to put on the uniform. Um, 
proud of everything that I've done. And, uh, you know, I, I can say I, I, I was, I was happy as a log planner. And, and no, Doug, thank you for coming on. I mean, um, the best guests that we've had have been the folks that have done it before us. Right. Um, we only have our, I know for, I don't want to speak for Bracely, but for me, I only have my perspective. I have my time as a log planner. Um, and I only know, you don't know what you don't know, right? What you haven't. And so thank you guys for coming on here. Um, I don't know how much has changed in the last 20, 30 years of log plans, but from here, from the conversations here and you guys say, Hey, the same things you guys are worried about now in 2020 are some of the same things we talked about back then. I'm guessing maybe it hasn't shifted so far in either direction. Right. No. So thank you guys no. for that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Br Bracely, take us out, man. So uh, definitely, this is probably this is this is a good one, uh, mainly because like me and Doug, where I think we're spiritually connected. Um, he's gotten me drunk plenty of times. I uh, forget about that. Yeah, <laughs> I still got another. I, st I still got another bottle. I, I still got hey, another bottle. And, and, and I need to save you the money for that bottle too, because uh, I need it in Florida. Um, so and and the Edwards thing situation. And even to FEMA. So uh, I was when I saw the name come up on the roster, I got excited because like, yeah, this man, this guy has this guy is this guy is energy. This guy is 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 the guy that you know who keeps who keeps the who's who one of one of the individuals that keeps the train going for the career field. Um, so I really appreciate I'm I really appreciative of this conversation because we got a chance to not only talk about law plans, but we got to talk about law plans in corporate America. Go ahead. I, I, I do have to say one Edwards story before we get off the phone. And is, okay. Um, when I got the assignment to Edwards, I was kind of pissed off, really pissed off because, you know, I spent a total of nine years in Southern California and I really didn't want to go there at, at all. And uh, I, I admit that it was probably one of the best assignments I ever had just as far as learning the job. Yes. And you and you were probably in the same building that I was. And in the little bathroom there, I used to keep a copy of 10-403. That, that, that was my that was my throne. Oh man! Hey, so I would say no nobody else that has been on that nobody else that's been stationed Edwards as long player has ever said this, but me and Doug. Edwards grew me. I keep saying this. I tell us every time this day. Edwards grew me as an airman and a, as a log planner. It grew me. Yep. Because yep. because of the the exposure of everything else outside of law plans, you are uh, a, a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, and you're not and you're not going to get that at some place like Ad, uh, uh, um, Andrews or some giant base where you're just never. You're the IDO. You're making decisions. The wing commander is coming to you saying, "Hey, Shaka, what do you think?" And, yeah, uh, I, I I had that I had that same experience. When they they brought the whole re, restore readiness back, and they pulled me up to sit right next to the Air Force Training Center uh, commander to talk about planning an event with UTCs for all the bases developed on the AFTC, and you know you're the you are outside of the civilians. I'm not gonna say nothing about Edwards right now because I know there are no civilians at Edwards that really they had there are zero. Zero civilians in the law plan shop right now that have any law plans background. Zero. So any law plan that comes on that base right now, and I think it's uh, not starting Keju. Keju, reach out to me. Uh, if you got any questions or advice on uh, navigating the Edwards, but you are the SME. You are the expert. You are the person, the go-to person at that base. So, um, and I want to, I'm a, I'm a strong advocate for FEMA. 
So you guys, I really, I really want you to go out on the uh, the FEMA website, the training website, take those online CBTs that you can take, and uh, maybe uh, we can get get with Doug on trying to look at if they got options to to work with the fire department or uh, EM at the local bases to bring FEMA down if they if they got EM uh, ICS classes, so we can get some log planners in those classes. Um, so you guys can kind of start working on that shift. Um, out, the, out out of the military, additionally, start looking at how uh, we the role we play as uh, as partners when it comes to natural disasters or emergency response. Uh, so, with that being said, um, I've, I've I've had a migraine for the past four days, um, and I've been popping uh, pills the whole the whole time, drinking water, a lot of water. So I've been running back and forth to the bathroom because I drunk like a half a gallon of water before this interview. So I'm ready to go. But I definitely appreciate Doug coming on. Doug, I got I need a favor from you, uh, and I'll probably IM you later uh, later on um, about the favor I need. It's a document. I'm the only person I know that in the world that has it is you. Uh, so with that being said, Gonzo, uh, thanks for making this happen. Uh, Doug, please stay safe out there. Keep doing what you're doing, um, and I'm out. Later, guys.